New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas put on a show in front of hometown fans, and even if you couldn't be present, you still deserve to know all about it. We got all that and a little bit of lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credentialed member of the media. You can find me every day over at USA Today Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And this is our second episode of this Friday, August 5th, giving you everything you need to know from the New Orleans Saints ninth day of training camp, their fourth padded practices and a huge day for wide receiver Michael Thomas. We saw more progression from Michael Thomas getting involved in seven on sevens and one on ones. We'll break down the highlights of his day. We'll discuss a little bit of Bradley Roby and Alante Taylor's camp so far and whether or not they could slide into CJ Gardner Johnson's role if ever asked to do so. And we'll get to your questions from the live show earlier today, which would include a look at run versus pass for the New Orleans Saints. Is New Orleans Saints run game set to take a step back because of all of the weapons at wide receiver will break all of that down, but we'll start off with the biggest weapon at wide receiver. The man that makes a New Orleans Saints offense absolutely lethal. That's Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas got involved in one-on-one, seven-on-sevens in pads today and put on an absolute show for the New Orleans Saints fans that were in attendance and, of course, New Orleans media as well. So I thought it'd be fun to just break down all three of the highlight moments from his day so that you know exactly what it is and so that you can go to your you know, local or your resident Falcons fan, Bucks fan, or Panthers fan and say, no, 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 this is what's going on with Michael Thomas in practice now. So he lines up to begin with with one-on-ones. Like I mentioned in the live episode earlier today, don't forget we're doing live episodes every day right after camp. He lines up across from training camp star so far, the guy who has just had a phenomenal day every single day of practice so far throughout New Orleans Saints training camp, cornerback Paulson Adebo, and puts a move on him that sent him going one way while Michael Thomas freely went the other way, create a little bit of separation. Now, Paulson Adebo did do a good job actually keeping himself in the play and a bad throw maybe that was behind Michael Thomas would have allowed him to make a play on it but because Michael Thomas had created that separation was working towards the back pylon of the end zone Jameis Winston knew exactly where to put that pass it was perfectly placed and he was able to make the uh, sideline catch so the two line up against one another Michael Thomas takes an inside release sort of um, sort of sprays inside as he comes in breaks down. And when I say breakdown, I don't mean that he like had a breakdown in the middle of the field or anything like that. I mean, like when you see a a wide receiver get to the top of their stem and then kind of shuffle their feet or like beat the drums and stuff like that, that is the breakdown, right? So from that point, you can either keep pushing forward on a double move. You can come back. You can go break inside. You can break outside. There's just any number of things that you can do. So it's part of why staying low and keeping those hips low is so important because then you're not telegraphing which way you're going by like coming up 
which tells that receiver you're going to, or that DB, you're going to make a break, stuff like that. So he went down and then broke out toward the inside, faked to the inside first, and then broke out toward the outside. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the back of the pie, the back of the end zone pylon, which is something that the Saints stopped attacking as much since maybe 2018, now all of a sudden is in play for them with Jameis Winston. Drew Brees really liked attacking the front pylon, especially during the sort of, you know, the twilight of his career. And so going toward the back pylon now is a whole new dimension, a whole new way to attack in the red zone and attack in scoring distance with Jameis Winston at quarterback. So really good to see that too. Maybe just like a small thing that people may not pay as much attention to that ends up actually being the difference between scoring points and not scoring points sometimes. And Michael Thomas being a guy that you love to target in the back of the end zone. So great to see there. The second touchdown that he scored, remember all of these were being run from like the 15, right? These are all red zone one-on-ones. So then the second one that he takes, it's in the same position over on the right side, uh, offensive right side. And instead of taking the inside release, he takes the outside release, which is sometimes called a spray release. And oftentimes you take a spray release that, that indicates, you know, if a DB is doing, your, doing their film study, it indicates what route or where you might break. Look at a guy like Scotty Miller from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for instance, he takes those outside releases when he's running an outside breaking route. That's just a usual piece of their offense. That's one of the reasons why Janoris Jenkins, a couple of years ago on the opening game of the season, picked off Tom Brady and ran it back. And also, that was Tom Brady throwing to the opposite side of the field on an out route. And if you know anything about me, you know how much I hate those. So he took that outside release, that spray release, and then Fake toward the outside, but then cut underneath and pushed back inside, was able to make the catch over the middle. Another perfectly placed pass by Jameis Winston. Of course, there were no other players on the field, so pretty easy to throw over the middle in that case. But still, good to see the two of them in particular getting their communication down. The last highlight when it comes to my, or not the last highlight, trust me, it's, it'll be far from the last highlight when it comes to Michael Thomas. But the third highlight from Michael Thomas's day was in seven on sevens when he took a snap from the slot and then worked his way. Uh, upfield, but then coming back towards the near pylon. So this time he's coming towards the closer pylon uh, at on the end zone. Andy Dalton, far less arm strength than a guy like Jameis Winston. So near pylon makes a lot of sense. Puts the pass over to him on that near sideline. He makes the sort of sliding catch. Think back to the Cincinnati Bengals game years ago where he made where Michael Thomas made that catch at the near pylon while sliding down. It was a lot like that. Same thing, just working off the defender. Um, being really discreet, not telegraphing what his route is going to be or where his break is going to go, things like that. Violent cuts, which has been great to see from him uh, because it shows that he trusts his body. He trusts that he's going to be able to make those cuts and that his ankle will hold up, that his body can do the things that he needs to do. And he's just got that explosive subtleness. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but there really is something about it, right? Like if you can disguise where you're about to go, but then when you're ready to get there, get there fast. That's a huge part of winning and creating separation as a wide receiver out of your break. And Michael Thomas is still doing it extremely, extremely well. And the hands are still Michael Thomas hands, right? There's been no drop off there. I don't know if maybe he was like sitting up at the crib with his foot up, still catching passes in the living room or something, but nothing has has kind of dropped off when it comes to Michael Thomas's hands. So fantastic to see. So there you go. Those are the highlights from Michael Thomas's day in training camp day nine. There will only be more moving forward. But if anybody asks whether they're a Saints fan, Falcons fan, Bucks fan, Panthers fan, if Michael Thomas is back, you look them dead in the eyes and you say, yes, and here's why. And you can break down those plays for them as well. 
Coming up next, um, CJ Garner Johnson's in a little bit of a contract dispute, contract negotiation, let's call it. So if this were to turn into something bigger than it should, in my opinion, is there anybody on the New Orleans Saints defense that could step into his role? In fact, there are actually three players that I would consider candidates to do that, two of which we've already seen start to uh, get take some of those reps, right? That just comes with next man up mentality during training camp. So could Bradley Roby or rookie Elante Taylor step into those roles? We will break all of it down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Dave. Now, look, sometimes it's helpful to be able to do yourself a little bit of a favor, you know, present you or past you, doing future you a solid. And sometimes it'd be things like maybe asking to borrow a little bit of cash. And now you can do that with your friend, Dave. Dave is the online banking app that will help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. So that's more money to fill your tank, more money for a wedding gift, more money to help pay those bills. And you can finally tackle some of those expenses that have been stressing you out a little bit and making life a little bit difficult. Now you can do that without any hangouts because there's no interest, no credit check required. Dave is awesome. And millions of people have already downloaded the app and are getting the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So download the Dave app from the app store today, right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up with an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees do apply. Uh, Banking is provided by Evolve member FDIC. Future you will thank you. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And if you are making the live shows or if you're listening to both shows every day, if you're watching both shows every day, let me extend an additional thank you to you as well. And if you're new to the show, thank you very much. I hope you like what you see today and that you keep sticking around. And, you know, look, if you're if you're on YouTube, leave some reasons for folks to stick around, right? Because we got a lot going on when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. Like, what are you excited about? I'm clearly excited about Michael Thomas, but I'm also excited about this New Orleans Saints defense. But a key piece of that defense right now is doing what he needs to do to make sure that he is getting paid uh, effectively what he deserves. Now, we know how the New Orleans Saints work, right? The New Orleans Saints, they set a price based upon the position, based upon the uses of that position, based upon the contributions of that position. And if a player is willing to, or the representation is willing to sign a contract that matches that, then they're good. If they have to come up a little bit, sometimes they'll negotiate up a little bit. Think about Andrus Pete, right? There was some competition for him out on the market, the Kansas City Chiefs. So they gave him a little bit more, hiked the guarantees up, things like that. So when it comes to CJ Gardner-Johnson, New Orleans Saints safety, who they landed in the fourth round, don't forget CJ Gardner-Johnson is not only working on a rookie contract, but he's working on a third day selection rookie contract. Because as I said the other day, the NFL is dumb and 31 teams missed out on him because he should have been a first round selection. So right now he's kind of holding in, right? He's adjusted uh, his practice participation while he's working on that long-term deal. But today we didn't see him in practice. So it was interesting to kind of see who stepped into that role when uh, he wasn't there for walkthroughs, which was unusual. He had been there for walkthroughs for the past few days. Um, who stepped into the role during seven on sevens, during team drills, things like that. And while guys like PJ Williams and Justin Evans absolutely have the skill set to be impactful in that role, can they be CJ Gardner Johnson? 
I'm not convinced anyone can be CJ Gardner Johnson, but CJ Gardner Johnson, which is why I think they should re-sign him. But if you need to fill that role at all, PJ and Justin Evans are obvious uh, options for you. They're big hitters. They can rush the passer. They know uh, PJ Williams in particular knows the system from all the different ways, all the different responsibilities, things like that. But there are also two other players to keep an eye out on. Bradley Roby, who has been throughout his career, a solid starting slot receiver, right? And he worked with a guy like Chris Harris Jr. back in that Super Bowl winning Denver Broncos defense that so who who really kind of pioneered what the slot position looks like, right? What the slot corner position looks like. And he he kind of highlighted that, talked about that with me the other day about how that has evolved and how Chris Harris was one of those guys that really started it. And Bradley Roby was right right there to watch all of it happen. Then there's also Alante Taylor, New Orleans Saints rookie, who was selected in the second round, who took a little while himself to, you know, get guarantees correct in his own contract and everything. And the the fun thing about Alante Taylor is that he's somebody that you could play at safety, you could play outside, you could play inside. There's so many different ways that you can utilize him, and he has a big build, right? Now let me say this: Bradley Roby has four interceptions so far during camp. <laughs> which is just absurd. Uh, a couple of them in one-on-ones two days in a row actually now he's got he's got a he has an interception streak all of a sudden. Um and but a, the majority of his interceptions have come from the outside, but he knows that nickel spot. He knows that slot corner role really really well. Can rush the passer, is willing to get in when it comes to like getting busy when it comes getting busy. I don't know what I'm saying there. Uh, when it comes to, you know, like getting involved, that's what I'm trying to say. Jeez, getting involved in the run game, things like that. And I think you would see that from Alante Taylor too. The difference between the two is that Bradley Roby's pushing 30 or is already 30. He's right around that age. Alante Taylor is very young, getting his first experience in the NFL. So Bradley Roby, you know, has the experience because of his age Alante Taylor might not have the experience, but you can mold him to be and do exactly what it is that you need for that role. So could either of these guys be C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Like I said earlier, could they be people that can man the position? Absolutely. They could play their own version of that role in the slot. They could cover slot receivers. They could blitz. They could get involved in the run game. Can they cover tight ends? That might be a little bit tougher in terms of a mismatch there, but maybe you just utilize your linebackers a little bit more in those assignments and then adjust the way that the slot reacts based upon positioning and the sort of dispersal of wide receivers and skill position players on the offense across from them. So that's kind of the piece that I mean that like, yeah, they can man the position, but can they play his role, play CJ's role? And I'm not even entering into the chat, like the part of the conversation around his mental, like what he does to players opposite him on the field and the trash talking and getting people out of their comfort zone and all that. Like, I'm not even getting into that part of the conversation. It just seems like to me, you set a price and that's what the New Orleans Saints have always done. And because maybe you feel comfortable that you can adjust to a player's strengths in his role, you're willing to stick at that price and say, well, if we can't do this, then we're not going to do anything at all, or we'll revisit it after the season, which would be really tough for CJ and his representation, right? I mean, this guy's one of the top slot cornerbacks in the NFL. You're not just going to replace him. You can substitute him. You can change the role to better accommodate for whoever would be there. But 
it's not really a situation to where you can just say, okay, well, if it's not going to be you, it's going to be somebody else. That's not really true. So it would be tough for CJ and his team to accept playing this major role as one of the top corners in the NFL, top slot corners in the NFL on his current pay scale. And I get that. So what does a contract for him look like? Is it a thing to where you're able to make a three-year, $24 million contract work? Is that too much? Is that not enough? Is he wanting like $10 million per year? Because I probably wouldn't go that route. But would I go $8 million per year? Yeah, I would, but it's not my money, right? I'm, I, I don't cut the checks. So for me, I think you find whatever that pain, whatever that sort of thing is, right? If it's not going to be three for eight or whatever, it could be, you know, three for seven. And you're looking at $21 million at that point over the course of the entire lifespan of the contract. You guarantee the first year and half of the second year. And you're in a really good position there because even if you decide to move on from him or you, you, you're worried about his injury history or anything like that, then, you know, you've got a, a pretty small dead cap hit in 2023. So, that's maybe the way that I go about it because I, I think that these other guys can play the position, but can they serve his role? No, you'd have to make some adjustments over on the defensive side, particularly with how you handle tight ends uh, as well. So that that's my observation around CJ Garner-Johnson and finding a replacement for him. Now, if you can get a guy like Justin Evans to be comfortable covering slot receivers, then we're in a different, we're in a different ball game there, right? Because you're talking about an uber physical guy that can cover that's got good range. You have a couple of ankle injuries, a couple of, of lower leg injuries that you have to be concerned about in terms of his longevity, but you're also not talking to him about a brand new contract either, right? He's on a one-year prove-it deal effectively. So that could be a route that they go. PJ could be a route that they go, but he's been mostly focusing on safety, he told us. So that might not be the way that the Saints want to go. They might want to keep that depth, that safety, and in terms of further away from the line of scrimmage, all that. So a couple of different ways for the New Orleans Saints to go here. But if you're going to not have C.J. Garner-Johnson for any amount of time, whether it be because of injury, whether it be because of contract, whether it be because he's off the field tying his shoe, it's going to take multiple people to fill his role. The Saints have the people to do that, but for seasons long, for games long, that can get a little challenging. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into your questions from our live show earlier today, including how the run game might be impacted by the wide receivers and the just immense amount of talent now at wide receiver and why it might not impact the run game as much as you might think, even though the wide receivers still have a lot to do with that. I'll explain here in a moment as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And we get to talk about all these fantastic topics around the New Orleans Saints because of our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports wagering needs, information, podcasts, more odds, lines, and props as well than ever before. And of course, our exclusive online betting partners here. If you're not comfortable betting on your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, you can check out everything else going on around the NFL, which includes, of course, the other 31 teams, but also Super Bowl matchups, playoff matchups. There's quarterback battle odds you can take right now. There's first round draft pick for 2023 up there that you can get involved in. There is a ton. There's also college football, MLB, NHL, uh, NBA, so much that you can check out, even esports as well. And my favorite thing is actually the live betting module. So partway through a game, if you feel like, hey, a team that's losing by 13 points or something like that might make a big comeback in the NBA or the uh, the the NFL, for instance, then you can actually bet based upon the new odds 
as the line has shifted based upon what the scores are right now. So you can take advantage of some of those moments, you know, rushing yards for Tom Brady, crazy things like that. So go and check them out today. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from our afternoon live show following today's training camp. So I want to start off here with Jimmy Amen. Oh, sorry. Actually, I apologize. I, I want to start with one other thing real quick, just that the New Orleans Saints uh, have officially placed Safety Smoke Monday on injured reserve, effectively ending his season before it begins, which is really unfortunate, but he deserves another chance with this team after this year. So now he gets a year to rehab with the team all of that stuff as long as there's no injury designation release or anything like that but i don't think that's the case since they already put him on injured reserve but he gets to spend his time with the team this year they'll get to know him he'll get to continue to study learn rehab in an nfl facility all of that and then hopefully get another opportunity with the team next year he certainly deserves it you want to talk about somebody that might be able to slide into cj Gardner johnson's role that's a guy to watch if the saints decide not to resign cj before next season they also brought in several uh, cornerbacks to try out, most notably uh, TJ Carey, who was somebody that I really liked for them last year. They had a visit with him in March of 2021, if I remember correctly, and then he ended up re-signing with the Indianapolis Colts, but six foot, 204 pounds, has a lot of outside corner experience. Makes you wonder, though, the Saints brought in like five or six different corners. Is that because of Marshawn Lattimore's injury in camp? They expect to be without him for a little while, or does that have to do with CJ Garner-Johnson's contract holdout? or? Is that more so just about, hey, it's the it's the cornerback time, right? That's this is this was the cornerback workout day. They worked out a bunch of tight ends the other day, signed one, worked out a bunch of running backs the other day, signed one, worked out a bunch of cornerbacks today, maybe they'll sign one. Like it might just be part of the rotation in terms of them. Remember the Saints workout look at play. Oh, they worked out a bunch of defensive ends not too long ago, signed one. Anyway, they 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 work out a bunch of these guys just to keep tabs on them at some point, right? Like during the season, they might come back to these to say, hey we need a player at this position. Hey, remember TJ Carey worked my, he's still out there. We really liked his workout. And then they bring it like that can happen week four, <laughs> you know? So some of it's not necessarily tied to what's happening right now. Some of it is also just gathering information for the future. Okay. Now let's get to those questions. Sorry, Jimmy, Jimmy Amen. Uh, how will the saints run game uh, look this year, considering how many weapons they have at wide receiver? So here's what I'll tell you. The new Orleans saints team is best when it's running about 30 to 40% of the time. Usually when the Saints finish a season with a run pass ratio around like 60, 40, even closer to 50, 50 in some cases, they've been a playoff team. Each year that they've been a playoff team, they've hit one of those margins. And I think that they can do that again this year. And, and the reason why is because, first of all, it looks like Alvin Kamara, at least we know he's going to start the season. But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see his case continued again. So having Alvin Kamara for a full 17 games would make a big difference for you, right? For sure. But the other thing is that remember that these wide receivers aren't only very good route runners. They aren't just really good pass catchers. They're also really good run blockers. Jarvis Landry, Traquan Smith, if he makes the roster again, Marquez Callaway, and of course, Michael Thomas, all very willing blockers on the perimeter. So they also, in terms of the talent that's at the wide receiver position, they're not also going to be contributing in the pass game, but they're going to be able to contribute for you as perimeter run blockers in a zone blocking run offense that oftentimes is going to allow you to take it outside. Remember, or take it you know, outside of the tackles. Remember that the way that the, the, the zone blocking scheme works is every offensive lineman takes a read step in unison, 
They block a gap, not the individual player that's in front of them. And based upon how the play, how the play and blocking develops, the uh, running back has the opportunity to bounce to the outside, bang up the middle, or bend it back and come back to the backside. So because of that, and because of having premier run blockers on the perimeter, bending back and bouncing outside become more of an opportunity for you as a running back. So these wide receivers fit into the scheme, not just because of how they catch passes, but also because how they uh, pave the way for their running back teammates. So just something to keep in mind there. We'll go to Eric next. Do Contavia Street and Shai Tuttle look good at the defensive tackle position, or can guys like Tana Passanio and Peyton Turner hold it down on the interior? I'm also going to add Carl Granderson as somebody in the interior. Last year, he went from about 260 to 270. This year, he's got in, in terms of pounds weight, right? Sorry for all of our um, friends uh, overseas that <laughs> that use a different metric there. But um, go from about 260 to 270. And in this year, we've seen him now go from 270. He told us now today he's at 285. And so I asked him, like, does that benefit you in terms of like if you're asked to move inside on a obvious passing down or a third down or something like that and he, he said yeah and he had like a big smile on his face he loves playing in the interior apparently uh so because of that i would also throw carl granderson in there but i will tell you that contavia street and shy tuttle contavia street in particular has looked really good shy tuttle has been up and down but shy tuttle was up and down during training camp last year and ended up on the team now they had less options last year than they have this year but jaleel johnson was also there and then not there today so we'll see right but contavia street in particular has looked really good. I like watching that guy. I just think that his, he and Jordan Jackson, like their rookie, um, their brand of interior defensive line play is so athletic, so twitchy, so quick. It's just different than the power pass rush that we see elsewhere. So I like what Contavia Street brings a lot. We'll see how things continue to go with Shy Tuttle, but Tonto Passino can definitely bounce inside. Peyton Turner can bounce inside. Cam Jordan can bounce inside. Marcus Davenport can bounce inside. Carl Granderson can bounce inside. So if they need the help, they'll have the help for sure on the roster. Okay, we'll go to uh, Sean here. Ross, how, uh, when do you think that the Honey Badger is going to pick his number? So Tyron Matthew, as I understand it, if I saw John Hendricks from Saints News Network and Boot Crew Media's tweet, now if I understand it correctly, he's going to be number 32. I think that that's where he is now. So I think he's already chosen his number, but definitely something to keep an eye on. I know that the Saints like team shop is waiting to send stuff out obviously like no numbers are final until the season starts effectively but i think 32 is going to be where he lands now watch him change his number to like 40 just to slap me in the face uh jeffrey williams will go to next will Jameis Winston? oh and this is going to wrap us up as well will Jameis play in the first preseason game or will the team wait until game two to let him play i think the team will let him wait until game two there's an interesting conversation going on when it comes to the quarterback room for the new orleans saints and i'll go through it pretty quickly as we wrap up here Jameis will probably not play in the first preseason game, but he probably will play in the second and then get a nice series in the third. Maybe you give him the full first half of the second game or something like that. That's the usual kind of rhythm for quarterbacks. But the other question is, how many quarterbacks should the Saints keep this year? Right? Like, you've got Jameis, you've got Andy Dalton as your backup, probably the best backup in the NFL. He's in that tier, he's in that top tier of backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll say it that way. Like, the Titans have Malik Willis. That's pretty dope. Um, the uh the the browns have jacoby Brissett. the 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 dolphins have um teddy bridgewater of course and then you have the saints here with with andy Dalton. that's kind of the top tier of backup quarterbacks it's a good place to be and so i think like when you are in a situation here to where you have those two quarterbacks 
are you going to keep a third? Are you going to keep Ian Book on the roster? Or do you allow your emergency quarterback to be Taysom Hill? Because you know he's making the roster, but he's going to take up a tight end room spot, not a quarterback room spot. So do you just go into the, into the, in, into the regular season with two quarterbacks on the roster, which most NFL franchises do? The Saints have been a little bit of a, a, um, a little bit abnormal in that case. Go in with two quarterbacks. Give yourself an extra tight end spot, an extra defensive back, an extra wide receiver, whatever, right? Like, and then have Cuddy in book and then re-sign him to the practice squad. And then he's your other emergency quarterback along with Alvin Kamara, of course, who really wants to throw passes. So I think like, yeah, you're probably going to see Ian Book and Andy Dalton in all three preseason games, but there is an interesting conversation to be had there in terms of like how the preseason might help the Saints make a decision on if they're keeping three quarterbacks or if they're going with two and their tight end who can also play quarterback as their emergency signal caller. It might be the way to go. All right, y'all. I appreciate you as always for making us your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked On Saints podcast coming up tomorrow. Same same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, we'll have our live show right after training camp, and then we'll do a pre-recorded episode to make sure you're up to date with everything going on with your New Orleans Saints. We'll put a specific focus on, of course, Michael Thomas, Tyron Matthews to go through, but also Trevor Pinning, defensive interior. A lot of good stuff to keep in our to keep our eyes out on going into tomorrow's training camp. I appreciate you again as always. Make it us your first listen. Make sure you go and check out that Locked On NFL podcast. Let them know that the New Orleans Saints are your team every day. Feel free to go and let the uh, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Panthers, and Locked on Bucks shows know that too, just saying. And I will, of course, see you tomorrow. So I appreciate you as always for making me a part of your day, a part of your routine, and for saying yes to Locked on Saints. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Don't forget, of course, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around these episodes on your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.